0: with you from For it's in your name I pray. Amen. Well good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Got walk up. <laughs> I have walk up music, man. I thought I was really about to drop something. <laughs> Tate, that is awesome. We are so happy for you. God is doing some good stuff in your, in your life, and just to see this, to see all these kids, how God is working in this church, it's some good stuff. So that, that brought brought something to me this morning, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> but I'm sure all of you are a little disappointed that you did not get to see Pastor Philip up here preaching in his waiters this morning. I know you were all expecting that to happen, but I'm sorry, it's me, and I'm not in waiters, so just going to have to deal with it. (laughs) Um, All right, by a show of hands, I just have to do this. (laughs) Yep, you might have. Who watched the game last night? All right. Who is happy this morning? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) this side of the room. Who is very sad this morning? Yeah, we got, some, we got some that are really sad. Well, I will say this. Um, I did not watch the game. But I do know what happened. I do know Carolina won. Duke lost. Um, I'm just not that into sports. I know. I'm lame. I should be, but I'm just not. But I had to talk about this morning because Pastor Phillips has been talking about it every Sunday for like the past three weeks. Whoa. <laughs> about to get attacked up here. <laughs> so, yeah, um... But either, either way, even if I was going to watch the game last night, I would not have pulled for either team because I'm an NC State fan. All right, awesome. So my dad went to NC State, and if you ever ask him when Carolina or Duke are playing um, who he's pulling for, he says, well, I'll just hope they both get in a fight and they all go home. There we go. Solved that problem. <laughs> but that's not what happened last night. Carolina won. They're going on to victory. So we'll see if they can pull it out. Or a big W. All right. So as we get into our message this morning, I got a little story I want to tell you guys. Um, some of you may know this. I am in still still in seminary and I do most of my seminary online. And what takes most guys about three, maybe four years to complete their degree, I'm cramming it all into about 10, feels like. So I'm still, still doing that. I've got my undergrad, but I'm working on my seminary degree. Well, as part of this degree, something that I have to do is, um, well, I don't have to, but I, I like to do these. They're called hybrid classes. And so that's where most of your work is all online, but you get to go on campus for a weekend. And this is, depending on the class, it can be a pretty grueling weekend. Um, So, like, my evangelism class, it wasn't as grueling. We learned a lot of good stuff, but, like, the language Hebrew, that was a grueling weekend. Greek was a grueling weekend. Well, this past time that I went, um, it was a preaching class, which is great. You get to listen to, there was probably 12 of us in the class, all preaching, and that's all we did the whole weekend, is we listened to each other preach, and then we critiqued the sermons. So... A few weeks back, that's what I did. I got to go up and listen and do my hybrid class. Um, well, it was it was a grueling weekend, all right, having to sit through all of that. It was great. It was edifying. You know, you, you're hearing all of these um, awesome sermons that they have prepared, but you still, you have to sit in class for eight hours a day, for two days consecutively. And I don't know if you guys, some of you all probably know this, we just had a baby back in February, and we are... Hey, yeah, we are tired. <laughs> we are extremely tired. Heather's more tired than I am, but we're still tired. And so going to this weekend, I actually got an awesome six hours of sleep that night. It was wonderful, uninterrupted. I think my head hit the pillow and I just was out. <laughs> but I was ready to get back home still, <clears throat> because it was it was a tough weekend. So I called Heather and I told her I said, hey. It's 4 o'clock. It takes about two hours to get home. I'll be home right around 6. Going to be going as fast as I can because I just want to be home. So I get into the car and I put on some music, listen to a couple podcasts, and I just hit the road and I'm cruising. Now I've, done, I've made this trip probably seven, eight times at this point. Um, I, know, I know the roads, I know the routes. Yeah, we're all good. Well, I'm cruising down the road. And I start to look around, and I'm not familiar with my surroundings. And I went, wait a second. I don't remember this part of the trip. And then I realized that it was 5.45. I was supposed to be home in 15 minutes. And I had not gone through Greensboro. And I had not gone through Winston. <laughs> I said, where in the world am I? So I pulled up my GPS, which I probably should have had on up before. And I look. And I am about 15, maybe 20 minutes from the Virginia border. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I was going in the wrong direction. <laughs> and the thing is, I kind of, not a lot, but I kind of pride myself in direction. To something my dad's really ingrained in me growing up. He's, you know, teach me where the sun is. Oh, well, the sun sets in the west, and it rises in the east. And what time of day, and you know where you're going. All right, but the thing is, is that 85, even though it says north or south, between Raleigh and Greensboro, Winston, it does not run north to south. It runs east to west. So I got on 85 north, should have got on 85 south, and I was going in the wrong direction. So I called Heather, and I said, um, you know how I said I was going to be home in two hours, and it's like 15 minutes till that time mark? Yeah, it's going to be another two hours. So she goes, "Huh." Ah. I told her what happened. I said, I'm so mad at myself right now. Because I was cruising, like going fast. I was cruising because I was ready to be home. And I thought, I thought I was going in the right direction. How many of you can identify with me? You've been going in the wrong direction. You're like, yeah, this is, and you think you're right. You feel like it's right. And then you look up and you realize your surroundings are not what they should be. Oh, no. Sometimes... We do that in our spiritual lives. Sometimes we think we are so right. We think we're heading in this direction, and we feel so good about it. Then we realized, hmm, I am not going in the right direction. I am going in the wrong direction. I am heading up to Virginia, and I'm supposed to be going home. Well, today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a, at a couple of verses where I think Paul, he realized that he was going in the wrong direction. And he talks about that here in this passage. And he says, you know, I was doing all of these great things, and I was going in this certain direction, and I I thought I was right about it, only to find out that I was so wrong. There's something else that is more important than the road that I was on. So we're going to look at that today. So, if you open up your Bibles, you're in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to begin reading with verse 1. And I'll go through a little bit of background on what's going on here. It says this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write these things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for all that you do. God, I pray that you would work this morning. God, I pray that you would use this message. God, I pray that this would be your words and your things that we're gonna take home. And I pray, Lord, that we would come uh, to the end of this message and be closer in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So a couple of things that are going on here, just to kind of help you understand. Paul is in prison. And he is in a prison in Rome, and he is writing to the church of Philippi. And he has says a lot of great things to this church, but he warns them right here. And he says, he, he says, watch out for the dogs. Watch out for these people because they are bad news. What was happening is during this time, there was this um, group of people who had a philosophy that went against the gospel. And what they were doing is they were saying that in order to be a Christian, yes, you have to follow Christ, but also you have to work for your salvation. In order to be a Christian, you have to continue in the Jewish traditions, in the Jewish faith, and you have to, one, you have to be circumcised as a male, because that was a mark of a good Jew, You have to be circumcised as a male. You have to obey all 613 commandments that some of them weren't even straight out of Scripture. You have to obey all of these commandments. You have to live according to the Mosaic Covenant. You have to observe the Sabbath. And ultimately, you have to be Jewish. You have to live according to the Judaistic religion. And Paul is saying That's not the case because with the gospel, salvation doesn't come by works. Salvation comes by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. The fact that he died on the cross for your sins, you believe in that. You ask him to save you from your sins. You repent and you follow after him. And it's that simple. And Paul is explaining to the the Philippians that this group is coming and they might even be in your church now. Do not Follow after what they're doing. Watch out for them. And he calls them dogs. Watch out for the dogs. And what's interesting here is as he's writing to the Philippians and he tells them to watch out, he basically says, they're telling you that you have to have all these credentials, that you have to be these Jewish, uh, you have to uphold all of these Jewish things. I know that's false because that used to be me. I lived that. That's how I used to be. And so he gives them all of his credentials. And he says this. We're going to pick it up in, um, in verse 4. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he gives them his credentials. I was circumcised on the eighth day. All good Jewish parents circumcise their children on well, the males on the eighth day, and so uh, Paul, he had that check. This is good. This is good about me. He says that he was of the people of Israel, that he, his he could directly um, trace his line and his lineage back to the Hebrew people who were living in Israel. And then he says this: he was that he was of the tribe of Benjamin. What's interesting about this tribe is that. This is one of the most pure tribes that they had no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? No um, intermarried, intermarrying or interracial things happening. This was strictly, they were just Hebrews. The tribe of Benjamin, they, were, they could trace their line all the way back to the first Hebrews. And then he says this, I was also a Hebrew of Hebrews, meaning that he spoke the language. He knew the language. He wrote it. He could read it. He could speak it. In addition to that, he says, as to the law, I was a Pharisee. I was a teacher of the law. I had a high standing in my understanding of the law. And then he says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. So not only did he uphold all these things, but he made sure that there was no one that was going to stop the Jewish tradition from continuing. He was going to stomp out all of the Christians in the church. That was his, his zeal. And then he says this, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He followed the law to a T. He was perfect in every shape, in every form, in every fashion. He was perfect. But as we're going to look at, and as he continues, he makes note that these things didn't cut it. These things are not what saves you. All these credentials, all these things that I have, all these things that I've earned, I've gotten to this place that people revere me and respect me. And he probably was a little rather wealthy because of all of these things. And he said, all of these things that I have, they don't matter. Something else matters more than this. And so we're going to look at that today. So continuing into verse 7. I'm going to put up our first point is this, that knowing Christ should be our greatest value. Knowing Christ should be our greatest value. Let's read. Philippians 3, verse 7, it says this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. All of these things, all of these wonderful things that I have have gained and I've earned in my life, I consider it to be loss. The, the lingo that he's using here, um, this gain and this loss, it's sort of an accounting type lingo. You know, if, you, if you've ever kept books before, if you've ever... Um, owned a business, you understand what it means to make a profit, you understand what it means to have a loss, and so profit is good, there's things that you're making money, this is a gain, but then loss, these are things that hit you that that you don't want to happen. My my wife, Heather, she's a bookkeeper, and this type stuff makes her really happy. I don't get it, I don't understand it, but, like, balancing a budget for some reason for her, she's like, Ah, yes, I did it. I love this. I hate doing our budget. I hate that type of stuff, but she loves it, so I allow her to do it. So I told her about this. I said, You know what, what Paul's talking about here? He's saying all these things that he thought was like a profit to him, it was a gain, but now he's saying that it's not, it's a loss. She's like, Wow, that's really cool because it speaks her language. <laughs> But that's exactly what Paul is saying, is I thought I was on the right road. I thought I was going in the right direction, but then I realized that I was heading north to Virginia. I was heading north on 85. None of this stuff mattered. There was something else that mattered more. So what is that? He says it in verse 8. He says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Nothing else matters. All that truly matters is knowing Jesus. Now, what Paul's saying here, this is not just a superficial knowing about Jesus. This is not just one of those things like, I've read all these books and... I know theology, and I've gone to church, and I've gone to Sunday school. We don't call it Sunday school here. We call it Bible study. I've studied my Bible. It's deeper than that. Those things are important. It's good for us to go to church. It's good for us to study the Bible. It's good for us to learn about Jesus Christ. But we need to go deeper. We need to know him. We need to have an experience with him. We need to go deeper in our relationship with him. This type of knowledge is not an intimate type of knowledge. That you know not just that he is your Savior, not that he, but you know him as your Savior. You know him as your God. You know him as your friend. And Paul is saying here that that knowledge right there is worth more than anything else that I could work towards in this life. Because that right there is what I'm going to take with me into eternity. I can't take all these credentials with me They're not going to help me. But what I can take with me is my knowledge of Jesus Christ and my relationship with him. That's what's important. But then he goes on to say all these credentials that I have, he uses a certain word. And this word in my ESV translation is rubbish. He says all of these things, all of these credentials, all of the things that I've worked towards is rubbish compared to knowing Christ. Interesting thing about this word is in the Greek, it is pronounced scubala. Can you say that to your neighbor? Scubala. Scubala. Has nothing to do with diving in the ocean. Just want to put that out there, so don't think that it does. Scubala. There's two main ways that um, scholars and the translators translated this word. The first one is um, rubbish, as you see here. Okay, so trash, things that, are, that you would take out, okay? The other, another way that they translate it is as dung. That's really nasty. But as they, as they do the study on this word, they look into all these different Greek um, literature and, and Greek writings, and they realize that they were using these words for really two different purposes. And one was to describe human excrement, dung, or to describe rubbish, trash. So there's sort of, in addition to that, there's another way that they they would describe this word. And in addition to um, rubbish, as in like the trash that you take out, you put in your your trash can, and then you take it to the dump, and you you take it out. Do any of y'all ever have to go to the dump? A few, if you live in Yakin County... More likely, you have to go to the dump. All right, that is the highlight of our week in Amelia's eyes. She loves going to the dump with Daddy. It's not so much that she loves going to the dump, although she enjoys that. She loves going to the gas station afterwards and getting chips and a drink. That's what she really, really likes. So this word here, rubbish, it's in addition to that type of trash, it also talks about um, table scraps. It's another way that it describes this word. Do any of y'all have dogs? And when you get done eating your food, you just throw out the rest of your scraps to your dogs? What's very interesting about that is what did Paul call this group? He called them dogs. I don't know if I said this at the very beginning, but this group, their title was the, the Judaizers. All right, so I don't know if maybe that you make that connection. It's the Judaizers. He calls them the dogs. And so he says, all of these things that they're telling you to go after, all of these things that I would consider to be my credentials in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish religion, I now consider that to be table scraps. Be thrown out to the dogs. They want it. They want you to want it, but it's waste, it's rubbish. Don't go after that because there are better things to go after. And ultimately, it is this knowing Jesus Christ. That is what is important. That is what you need to pursue after. That is the greatest value, is to know Jesus Christ. I was scrolling through Facebook. Um, it was probably about a year ago is when this happened. I was scrolling through Facebook, and I see Tanya Cornett's Facebook post. And there was a refrigerator that she had taken a picture of. And I went, that's weird. I want to read this post. So I started reading through it. And it was a, it was a um, picture we can go ahead and put that picture up on the screen. It was a picture of this refrigerator with one of the doors wide open. It's like, what in the world? What happened? Well, what had happened is the day before, she had gone to the grocery store, and she had packed up all of this food. She, she bought it. She took the time and the effort to go there, and to get it, to bring it back, to pack it in her refrigerator. She was meal prepping. She was planning for the next week ahead. And she was all excited. She was like, okay, got this taken care of, good to go. Well, she went to work. When she got home, this is what she came and found. She went, oh, no. Well, at first, I think she, she called her husband. She says, what happened? And I think he said, Carter did it. It was Carter's fault. He left the door open. She said, no, he was with me. It was me. My bad. Well, what happened is he left the door open, and all day, this food went to waste. Well, you know what? That's similar to our efforts. When we strive to attain righteousness on our own, and we strive to gain all of these things, thinking that it's going to actually give us something in the future, it's all waste. And I don't think she was able to use any of that food that was in there, she had to toss it all out. I don't even know if it was good enough for the dogs. It was a waste. And that is what Paul is talking about. All of these things that I have tried so hard to attain, I was going in the wrong direction, and it was a waste. It was a waste. <clears throat> so what is it for you? What are the things that you are searching so hard in life to find? What are the things that you're, you are putting so much effort to try to attain only to come to find out that one day in the future it's not going to matter. Maybe it's your job, your career. Maybe it's the hobbies that you have. Maybe in a religious sense, you think that coming to church and reading your Bible and playing in the, the praise team or serving and volunteering, you think these things are going to give you a higher status and a better position with God. And while all of those things are good, and we should be doing those things because it does nourish our spirit when we do those things, it does not give us salvation. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And the work that he did on the cross for you, that is the only thing that can give you that salvation. So Paul is saying here, in the grand scheme of life, these things don't matter. It doesn't matter how many times I can check off the list and say I've gone to church it doesn't matter how many people I've led to the Lord. These things are good, but it's not going to save you. Jesus Christ saves you. And knowing Him and having a relationship with Him, that is what saves you. So let's continue. Let's continue. <clears throat> In addition to knowing Him being one of our greatest values that we should have. Let's look at this next point. Point number two is this. Being found in Christ should be our greatest desire. Being found in Christ should be our greatest desire. In verse number nine, it says this. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. So here's the thing. Paul knew what it meant to be found by God. I don't know if you remember But if you go read Acts chapter 9, Paul, who his name was Saul at this point, he was on his way to go persecute the church. He was on his way to go stomp out Christians. But then Jesus showed up, and in a bright light, he spoke to Paul. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And from that point forward, Paul changed his direction He was going this way. He was was on his way going down this road. But he changed his direction. He started heading in the right direction. And he began a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he put away all of his credentials. He put away all of these things that he would now count as loss. So that he could follow after Christ. So he knew what it meant to be found by God. And now he's saying, I don't want to be found in that state again. I don't want to be found with a self-righteousness inside of me. I don't want to be found trying to attain things for my own good that have no eternal weight or value. I want to be found in Christ. I want to be found in a relationship with him. And when I get to heaven and when I stand before God, that's how, that's, that's how I want to be found. It's having a true relationship with him. See, there's two times that a Christian, there's probably other times, but two, two real times that a Christian is found by God. And it's the very first time at salvation. In Luke 15, we have some parables that Jesus talks about. We have the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. All of these are times where a sinner who is lost is found, and he repents of his sin, and he gets saved. And so the very first time that you are found is when Christ saved you. He found you, and you were going in the wrong direction. He saved you. He put you on the right path, and you started following after him. But there's another time that you will be found, and that is the end of your life. Revelation 20, verse 15, it says this. At this point, this is the great white throne judgment. And hell and death And Hades is being thrown into the lake of fire. And it says this, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. One day the book is going to be opened, and God's going to look inside that book, and if your name is not there, this is what happens. But if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in him, the fact that he died on the cross for your sins, you've repented of your sins, then you will be found in that book. You will be found to be in Christ. This is what Paul's talking about. This is how I want to be found. Not in my own self-righteousness, but in the righteousness that God gives me. That depends on faith. Not works, but faith in him. Do any of you like to walk in graveyards? (laughs) I can't say this is a a true hobby of mine, but back when I was in college, there was a really awesome graveyard that was close, uh, and it was within walking distance from my dorm. I went to Piedmont International University, and this graveyard was right near Old Salem. I love to walk down there. And so in Old Salem, they have God's Acre, which is the Moravian church from 17, early 1700s, mid-1700s, and there's plots of these little uh, square white gravestones all over the place. They're in perfect order. It's really amazing. But then right next to it is Salem Cemetery. That's what this is a picture of. And as you walk through Salem Cemetery, you see all these huge monuments to these people. You see um, ginormous tombstones, There's actually some actual tombs that have been built that these people have been laid to rest in. Now, the crazy thing about this is this cemetery is full of notable men and women from the Winston-Salem area. And they have done amazing things in the community. Some of these people are R.J. Reynolds, who started um, Camel Cigarettes, the tobacco company. And throughout, there's been tons of people who have worked for that Company throughout the years. And there's also a governor, Robert Glenn, is buried there. Pretty incredible. There's a few generals that have been buried there. Very notable men and women who have done some awesome things. And I am not knocking anything, any of the legacy that they have been left behind. But what always would go through my head every time I'd walk through these cemeteries is I wonder, I wonder what happened. When they stood before God, I wonder what happened when they stood before God. Because they left this amazing legacy here. They did all of these incredible things. They built companies, built businesses. They led ultimately the, the nation, they led people into battle. They did some amazing things. But I wonder where their spiritual life was. Did they know Christ? Did they truly know Christ? Because all these other things that they've done, they don't matter unless they know Christ. You have to know Christ first. You have to get that part right first. So my question to you guys, where will you be found? Where will you be found at the end of your life? Will you be found going north on 85, near the border of Virginia? Or will you be found headed home in a relationship with Jesus Christ? That should be your desire. That was Paul's desire. He said, I want to be found in him. I want to be found in him. And I pray you do as well. So let's continue. One last point that I have here. Before I give you this point, we're not going to put it on the screen quite yet. I want to read to you this because there's something really interesting about this. In verse 10, it says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Read that part again, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings. So, as I read through this passage, passage I, can, I can jive with Paul on knowing Christ. Okay, that, that, that makes sense. Knowing Christ is better than anything else in this world. That's what I want. I want to know Christ. And I can jive with Paul on this, the being found in him. That's, that's my desire. I want to be found in him at the end of life. But what is, where does this come from? Where does this suffering come from? It's saying that Paul's saying that he wants to share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. You know, Easter's coming up, an amazing time of year where we celebrate the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we always look back at what he did for us, how he suffered, how he suffered physically. He suffered being beaten. He suffered being Tormented by all of these people around him. He suffered by hanging on a cross and dying. And Paul is saying here, I want to share in these sufferings. You know, here's what's crazy is, I don't know if the church in America has ever truly, recently, seen what real suffering is. We are so incredibly protected in our freedom, and God has blessed this country, and I am so thankful for that. And men and women have bravely fought and died to keep that freedom so that we can worship God in a free space such as America. But there are people around this world who don't have those freedoms, they don't have those luxuries. And in order for them to worship Jesus Christ, they have to suffer, they're beaten. They're put in chains, they're rejected by family members. And to a degree, maybe you have experienced some sort of suffering for the sake of Christ, but I don't know if you've experienced the way that Paul is saying that he wants to experience it, that he wants to share the very sufferings of Jesus Christ. But I do know this: We all have an adversary, and that is the devil. And he wants to keep us either sometimes in comfort so we don't experience these sufferings. But when we get on fire for him, he wants to stop us. And we have to go through some suffering. We have to go through some suffering. But here's my encouragement to you guys. Maybe you will experience that one day. But this is what's amazing. Is you will grow in that suffering. As you go through these hardships for the sake of the gospel, you're going to grow. Have you ever, um, has anyone ever played sports before? Back in high school? Okay. One thing that you do as an athlete is you suffer with your teammates. You have to go through practices, you have to go through, um, go play games. Sometimes you have wins, but sometimes you suffer losses. But as you go through these things, you have a tighter bond that you, you grow with your, your teammates. And then I think of also a, of soldiers. Uh, men and women who have gone over in other countries, they have died and they have fought in battle. They suffer together. There's a greater bond that they have because of this suffering. So as a Christian, when you suffer for the cause of Christ, there's a deepness, there's a deeper bond that happens, and it pulls you closer to Jesus Christ. So you can have this encouragement that whatever suffering you go through is going to cause you to be closer to Jesus Christ. Now, I think Paul knew that. I think Paul knew that this was going to help in his relationship with Christ. So as we get to the end of this message, um, something that I just I, I want to point out here. Paul spent a lot of time going in the wrong direction. He spent a lot of time wasting his life. But what's incredible about God is is that God used all of that wasted time and he used it for his glory. I know there's a lot of us who, we would look back on our life and we say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't spent this much time running away from God, going in the wrong direction. But this I know is that God is going to use that for his glory some way or another because he uses the wasted time and he makes it for his glory. He uses it to help you to connect with others who have been in your shoes, you have been in their shoes, so that they can know who Christ is, so that they can be saved. And God uses those things. But we have to know him. We have to know him, and that's how we change our direction, is by knowing him more so let's pray dear my father lord i thank you so much for all that you do god i thank you for your love i thank you for your word god i thank you for jesus christ and god i pray that you would you would move in all of our hearts so that we could better know who you are we could better experience you we could have a better sweeter relationship with you because, God, that's what you desire. And, Lord, I pray that, that you would work and you would move in the life of this church and that we would just go in, a, in the direction that we are supposed to go into to better know you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I can't get over the fact that Amelia likes to go to the dump. <laughs> what kind of parents are they? I've <laughs> But the reason that Amelia enjoys going to the dump is not because of the dump or anything that's in the car. The reason she enjoys going is that she is with her father, and at the end of the journey, there's an amazing prize. And if you leave all the stuff of this life at the dump, and have your father with you the entire time, at the end of your journey. It's an amazing prize to behold. So let's stand and sing. We're here to pray for you this morning as the Spirit leads. The altar is open. If you want to join the church, we're here for that as well.